0: Let's get into agreement about the word as it goes forth this morning. Dear Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts. We ask for grace. We ask for great anointing, Lord God. Not only upon the speaker, but also upon the hearer. And Lord, we'd make the decision this morning that we're not just here to log time. We're not here to be entertained. But we're here to observe, to do. And Lord, as we do what we hear, we know that we shall be blessed in our doing. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. And I want to recommend a book to you. It's an old book, and uh, it's a great book along the lines of the 23rd Psalm. Philip Keller, many years ago, wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. And he was literally a shepherd. Now, last week I want to remind you what we spoke about. We talked about that. Thank God, the Lord, Amen, causes us to lie down in what kind of pastures, and He leads us beside the still waters. Now, I want to make a couple quotes directly from his book today because it's so good. Philip Killers writes that the sheep do not lie down easily, and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down. Number one, if they're afraid. Because they're social animals, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. And then finally, he says, if sheep are anxious about food or hunger or hungry, they will not lie down. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. Your shepherd leads you beside the still waters. He knows where the green pastures are. I am so glad that he doesn't lead us beside troubled waters. Not waters of worry and fear and anxiety, but waters of stillness and waters of rest. The Lord is your shepherd. And the Bible says that he restores our soul. And that's what we want to talk about for a little while this morning. It is about the restoration of our soul. How many of you know that the scripture says that we are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture? I love what the message says, that we are his people and we are his well-tended sheep. Psalms 23.1 in the Amplified says that he feeds us, he guides us, and he shields us. Yeah. Say this with me. He feeds me. He, feeds me. he guides, me. guides. And he me. And he shields me. Now we do understand that he is the overseer. And he is literally the bishop of our souls. If you look at First Peter 2.25, you will see like that where it says, For we were like sheep going astray. But now we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Now, it is absolutely vital for our soul to be healthy. Amen. Is it important what we allow into our thinking? Is it important that we not entertain the lies and the fears that come to us from the enemy from the outside? trying to get into our minds, trying to get into our souls, bringing great disturbance to our lives. That's why he says that he's given us glorious weapons. And these weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But these weapons are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so you're going to get ample opportunity for the imaginations of the enemy to take root in your soul. That is why we need to be on guard and take the word and take the name and apply the blood and cast down every imagination in any high thing that would exalt itself against the word of God and bring it into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So in life, you're going to get ample opportunity to be stressed... Life struggles can take a toll on your life. And that is the reason why you, your soul, and my soul needs to continuously be restored. When I look at you, I see a person that's created in the image and likeness of God. First Thessalonians says that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a physical body. The scripture says, may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body would be kept intact until the Lord returns. Yes. How many of you believe in God's preserving power? Yes. John the beloved, the aged John at the end of his time here on earth. He wrote to, in 3 John 2, he says, beloved, I wish or I pray above all things... That your soul may prosper and that you may walk in divine health. That you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I submit to you this morning that a prosperous soul is a soul that is filled with the peace of God. A prosperous soul is a soul that is submitted to his restoration power every day of one's life. Amen. You are walking in life and walking in a great degree of prosperity if you will not allow your mind to be disturbed by what's going on around you. Now, Brenda shared with me a verse that I really, really like. It's found in Proverbs chapter 14. And I want you to look at verse 30 in the Amplified Version. Proverbs 14, verse 30. He says here now, a calm and undisturbed mind. What kind of mind? A calm and undisturbed undisturbed mind is a mind and a soul that's continuously being restored by the Good Shepherd. And you know, everything in life doesn't have to be going just right for you to be calm. You can be calm and you can be undisturbed. And it says it will have an impact on our lives. How will it affect us? Well, a calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. If a calm and undisturbed mind is the life and health of the body, it also must be the life and health of your soul. You see, when you got born again, positionally in Christ, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power and of love. And what kind of mind? A sound, a calm, and an undisturbed mind. Now, will the devil try to disturb your mind? Will the devil try to get you over into the zone of anxiety? Absolutely. But God says this, I'm your shepherd, I will restore your soul, and I will strengthen you in a time of trouble, and I will cause you to have a peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. Amen. How many of you have seen a dental ad before? And uh, they might show a person whose teeth are all messed up and, and, uh, you know, all... Painted and yellow and so forth. And and the promise that the ad gives is they promise to restore your smile. How many of you know when teeth are broken and discolored, a a good dentist can restore those teeth. And he can bring that smile back. Well, in a similar way, you see, our thinking and our deciding can be stained and in need of restoration. But the Lord, your shepherd, can bring you back. He can bring you back. He can restore your soul. Now, the word restore means this. It simply means to revive, to bring back, to reinvigorate, to refresh, and to reset. Another definition of restore is to reinstate to its original condition. Which means to me, better than before, it also means to rebuild or to renew. Amen. When you get under the good shepherd and his restoring power in your soul, you will be revived. You will be refreshed. You will be reset. Hallelujah. See, sometimes we get setbacks, but when we come under the good shepherd's care, he resets us and enables us to face tomorrow with a sense of faith and a sense of hope and a sense of great expectancy. Amen. Now, the number one way that he restores our soul, of course, is through the word of God. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 2, it says this then we are not to be conformed to this world. But we are to be, what? We are to be transformed. And that word transformed in the Greek is metamorpho. And we get the English word metamorphosis from that. And so when a caterpillar turns into a what? A butterfly. That's called metamorphosis. In other words, it's what is on the inside of that caterpillar, What it had on the inside all of the time, when it underwent that great change, it turned into a beautiful butterfly. And you are created the image and likeness of God. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are completed Him in your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. But God wants the work of God that He did in you to show up in your soul, to show up in your body so that you can live a resurrected life and be a testimony for the glory of God. Hallelujah! Say it with me real strong. I got someone... On the inside, he's a-working on the outside. See, the Bible tells you to work out your own salvation. That doesn't mean you have to work to be saved, because salvation is by grace through faith. But what it is saying is once you are saved, you need to go to work. You need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You need to learn to think like and talk like and walk like God so that you can be a testimony for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Some of you need to get to work. So he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be changed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. James chapter 1 puts it like this. That we are to lay aside everything that is dark in our lives. Lay aside all superfluity of naughtiness and receive with what? How many of you know what that word meekness means? I think sometimes in the church people have equated meekness with weakness. You know, and, and the way that Jesus has been portrayed... Through the religious world and through the world is, you know, the meek and lowly Jesus, you know, looks like he's anemic, you know, and and doesn't have any strength. That's not the Jesus I serve. The Jesus I serve is strong. The Jesus I serve spoiled principalities and powers. The Jesus that I know rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He's not some anemic, mamby, pamsy Jesus. He is the son of the living God, and he is risen from the dead, and he's alive. So when the Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, And when the Bible says, with meekness, receive the engrafted word, that word meekness has nothing to do with weakness. That word meekness means to be teachable and to be open. In other words, when you go to the word and to the school of the Holy Spirit, you simply open up your heart and say, Lord, teach me. I receive with meekness this engrafted word. And this engrafted word that I receive will save my soul. Oh, hallelujah. Does your soul need to be saved? Somebody says, well, I'm already saved. I'm already born again. I'm not talking about your spirit being saved. I'm talking about your soul being renewed. Your soul being revived. Your soul being restored. Your soul being revived. Hallelujah. To where you get up in the morning, hallelujah, you can think the thoughts of God without a sense of guilt or inferiority. Amen. Amen. Now I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about Psalm 19. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect and it will convert the soul. The word convert there in the Hebrew literally is revive. The word of the Lord revives my soul. Amen? Amen. Now, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, Philip Keller wrote this glorious book on a shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm, and he would talk about in this book a cast sheep. Now, the word cast in Old English is a word for a sheep, that cannot aright themselves or get back up on its feet without assistance. A cast sheep is one that has flipped over on its backside. They've fallen and somehow can't get up, and they've got their feet in the air, and they're frantically bleeding, and they're frantically wondering, you know, what's going to happen to me? Because gases are building up in their stomach, and if the shepherd doesn't get there just in time, that sheep is a goner and all the while there's coyotes and there's buzzers and there's dogs just waiting to devour that cast sheep how many of you know that the enemy looks for an opportunity when you're cast down He walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we serve the good shepherd who restores our soul and says you may not devour him, you may not devour her because I am right there to bring that sheep back on its feet. Now listen to what Keller says about this sheep that's on its back. He says, as soon as I reached the cast ewe, My first impulse was to pick it up, but tenderly I would roll the sheep over on its side. This would relieve the pressure of the gases in the stomach. If she had been down for a long time, I would have to lift her onto her feet. Then, straddling the sheep with my legs, I would hold her erect, now listen, rubbing her limbs to restore the circulation to her legs. This often, Keller says, would take quite some time. When the sheep started to walk again, she often just stumbled and collapsed into a heap once more. All the time, I worked on the cast sheep. Listen to this. The shepherd said, I would talk to it gently. And I would say, when are you going to learn to stand on your own feet? I'm so glad I found you in time you rascal little by little the sheep would regain its equilibrium it would start to walk steadily and surely by and by it would dash away to rejoin the others set free from its fears and frustrations given another chance to live a little longer and he concludes by saying All of this pageantry is conveyed to my heart and mind. When I repeat this simple statement, he restores my soul. And that is exactly the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. All we like sheep have fallen and gone astray. Sometimes sheep become cast and become weakened through the circumstances of life. It does not disgust the good shepherd. It does not make him upset. He is moved with compassion at people that have been cast down and fallen. And he wants to pick people up and speak tender words to them. And tell them, you may have missed it there, but you're going to make it. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm here to restore you and to reinstate you and bring you back into your original condition. Woo! Glory to God. And sometimes that cast sheep would get up and they'd fall again. But oh, hallelujah, how many of you know that underneath are those everlasting arms? Hallelujah. He lifts us up. He speaks words of faith over to us. Listen, I know by the word of the Lord today that a person that has fallen... Can without a doubt, beyond any shadow of a doubt, a person that has fallen can be strong again. Whoo, glory. I'm doing my best to preach this. Some of you need to help me out today. Say with me, I can be strong. Can be strong. Strong, again. strong again. You see, if you've been weakened by life, if life has knocked you down, The good news is you can get up. And He's there to lift you up. And He's there to build you up. And He's there to be a friend to you that sticks closer than a brother. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. He doesn't put a big bag of guilt or condemnation on us. He lets us know that He loves us with an unconditional love. And that He believes in us. And that our future is so bright. Glory to God. That we need sunglasses to see it. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, help me out now. This is my second sermon today. you got to help me preach this morning. (laughs) Everyone say, I can be strong. Again. Psalm 37, 23 and 24 says this. The steps of a good man. Are you a good man? I'm looking at Pastor Tom down there. He's a good man. Hallelujah. I'm looking at Brother Eddie. Happy birthday, Eddie. You're a good man. I'm looking at good women. I'm looking at good men throughout all this church. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. And the Bible says that he delights in his way. Now notice verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The, the Lord lifts him up to where he's strong again. Can good men, can good women fall? Absolutely they can. The scripture says that a just man could fall seven times, but he rises, come on, up again. And I'm not sure you, where you are at in your life. If you're down, you can get back up. You can be strong again. And I want to give you an example of a person that had some real ups and downs. His name was Peter. You remember Peter? Thank God for Peter. You know, one day he was saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus was talking about going to the cross. And Peter stood up and said, Lord, let it not be so. And Jesus looked at Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savoreth not the things that be of God, but that of men. In other words, one day he's yielding to the Holy Spirit, and the next day he's yielding to the lies of the enemy. Amen? Yeah. Sound like anybody I know? You know? <laughs> See, there's this battle, isn't there, going on in our lives. It's the battle between walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. Right? And so there's a choice every day that we can make to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But Peter, you've got to know that he felt really badly about denying Jesus three times. I mean, how would you feel if you were in Peter's shoes? He denied him three times. And yet, Peter did not sit back. Peter... ...had a glorious comeback. And I'm telling you, the way that Peter came back and became strong again... ...was he had a revelation of how much that his shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, really loves him. You get a revelation of the love of God, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done... ...he will make you strong again... And he will reposition you to be a great, great force in the kingdom of God. Woo! Glory to God. Now remember, at the tomb, the women were there, right? And at the tomb, he said, go your way, and I want you to tell the disciples, and Peter. In other words, Jesus distinguished Peter in a select few. And what that did is it restored Peter's soul. It gave him a special hope, special forgiveness, and special restoration for the one that he had just denied. Oh, hallelujah. That'll put a tiger in your tank. That'll put something on the inside of you. You mean God's not finished with me yet? No, God's not finished with you yet. He's just begun. He that began a good work in you, He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy and listen to the truth that'll set you free. Woo! Paul. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And without going into great depth on what Paul said, Paul said, you will be strengthened if you see something. Peter got a glimpse of something. Peter got a glimpse of the great love that God had for him. In Ephesians 3.18, let me just read it to you because it's a different translation. It says this, may you have strength to see. You see, I am a spirit. And in my spirit, I have eyes. And God wants you and he wants me to see some things about our redemption. And when we see some things about our redemption and about his love for us, it'll strengthen us. Notice this. May you have strength to see with all the saints how wide and how long and how deep. His love is for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I submit to you today that Peter tapped into a revelation of the love of God. And it strengthened him. And on the day of Pentecost, he was able to stand up. He went from Peter the denier to Peter the prophesier. He tapped into the exceeding abundantly above all that he could dare ask or think. All because he saw something. See, I believe that we should be praying to see some things. Have you seen everything there is to see? Do you know everything there is to know? If you have, I want to see you right after the service. And I want to cast that lying devil right out of you. Help us to see. Help us to know. Give unto us. I'm praying right now for all of us. Give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Give unto us eyes to see, ears to hear. Open the eyes of our understanding. Flood our hearts with light. Pray with me. Strengthen me, Lord. To see how great your love is for me. me. I believe it. it. And I receive it. it. So strength to see. When everything's broken. When all you can see is utter failure. You need to see something else. And when you see something else. According to the word of God. It'll strengthen you. It'll restore you. And it will absolutely change your life forever. A revelation of the love of God. Say it with me. The love of God God. is shed abroad abroad. in my heart. heart. God loves loves me. My Father loves me. Even as much as He loves Jesus. There is no thing that will ever separate me from the great love of God. It's wide enough. It's deep enough. It's long enough. His love for me strengthens me to see all that I need for my life. Oh, thank You, Lord. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He makes me whole. Now, how many of you remember a guy by the name of David? Well, we're reading the 23rd Psalm. That's David's Psalm, right? You know, David had his ups and downs, didn't he? You know, when he was, should have been out there battling and at war, you know, he was in his house, probably watched all the soap operas he could watch one day and played all the video games he could play and got a little bored and went to the top of the roof. And over next door, there's Bathsheba. Bathsheba's taking a bath, and Bathsheba is a babe. And, of course, David yielded to the flesh, right? Committed adultery with Bathsheba, which was a mistake. And then Bathsheba was pregnant, and so then he sent Bathsheba's husband to the front line so he would be killed and murdered. Would you say that that is an absolute mistake? Now, we're not throwing stones. We're just simply making a point. But the thing about David was this, is David was a man after God's own heart. David didn't sit there and stew and complain and stay down. David got up. David, the Bible says, he was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? That David was a man who was quick to repent. And he was quick to forgive. And he was quick to believe God. Don't forget those three things. If you want to be known as a man or a woman after God's own heart, you need to be quick to repent. You need to be quick to believe God. And quick to get up. Amen. Amen. And so David didn't stay down, he got up. That's why David says, he restores my soul. David was one of those sheep that went astray. David was one of those who experienced the restoration of the Lord. But there's another piece that I want to share with you today that is really important that will help you all week long. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to get help all week long. So pay attention. Don't give me that look, I'm too poor to pay attention. No, we're paying attention. Amen? Look at Psalms 42, verse 11. Psalm 42, verse 11. Here's another piece that that we need. Because once we experience His restoring power... Then there is the duty, then, for us to walk by faith and not by sight and do our very best to stay on our feet. Amen? Amen. Oh, thank you for those amens. Wow. Okay. Psalm 42, verse verse 11. He says, why are you cast down? There's that word again. Oh, my what? And why are you disquieted within me? The word disquieted means to cry aloud. To cast down means to sink or to press or to be brought low. And so he says, so why are you cast down and why are you disquieted within me? In other words, David looked at his circumstance and he started to talk to himself. Have you ever had a good conversation with yourself? I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm talking about having a good conversation with yourself. That's exactly what David did. David looked at his soul and David started encouraging himself in the Lord. And he asked his soul a very important question. And there are times in my life, and I'm sure times in your life, that you're going to have to to ask your soul a very important question. Soul, why are you cast down? In other words, soul, I've got a question for you. What are you doing? I'm telling you, soul, here's what you're going to do today. You are going to magnify the Lord. You are going to get up, and you are going to go to church. You are going to get up, and you are going to go to work. Soul, you're not going to stay down. Soul, I say unto you, get up! Soul, look what the Lord's done for you already. Soul, look what the Lord's brought you from. Soul, you're not going to be disquieted. You're not going to be disquieted quieted or discontent you're not going to be in despair soul i'm speaking to you see you've got to boss your soul around if you rely on your body to take your soul over guess what your body will not come through but if you on the inside by the power of the holy spirit can start speaking to your soul and encourage your soul say things like soul we're going to praise the lord today We're going to get up out of that bed, out of that circumstance, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to speak victory today. So you're going to get up. Here's what you're going to do, so you're going to get up and you're going to overcome. You're going to act like the New Testament is so. You're going to act on this word, whether you feel like acting on this word or not, soul. I'm ta- Are you paying attention, soul? I'm talking to you, soul. You better get up now, soul. Look what the Lord has done, soul. Look where he's brought you from, soul. Look how good the Lord's been to you, soul. Get yourself out of that bed and rise up. <laughs> Woo. Amen. Amen. This is not chin up, old chap. You know, chin up is, oh, it'll be better next week. No, if it ain't good right now, we declare it's getting better right now. It's not chin up. It's rise up. It's get up. Now listen to this statement. You are never defeated until you yield to fear. Discouragement and hopelessness. You're not defeated until you yield to that stuff. You see, the moment that the enemy comes in with a thought contrary to the word, you need to immediately go into resistant mode. So I resist that fear in the name of Jesus, I resist that despondency in the name of Jesus. I will not be discouraged this day, but I will encourage myself in the Lord. So be like David. Be like David. And pull yourself up. Amen. Be like a good soldier. You know, John G. Lake said it like this. He said the gospel is the strong man's gospel. I like that, don't you? As I alluded to earlier, there's nothing weak about Jesus. And it takes courage to follow him. Did you know that? It takes courage to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That spirit, the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, enabled him to never quit. Don't you know that he was tempted to quit? Absolutely, he was. But he is not a quitter. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said this, not my will, but your will be done. And this is the way we've got to be. We must not and cannot allow any quit into our lives. That's what Paul was referring to over there in Hebrews, where he says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, listen very carefully. Your confidence in life is a must. How many of you know what despair is? How many of you know what despondency is? What despair basically is, is this, is when a person is fearful and in despair they look at their future with a sense of despondency they look at their future with a sense of of hopelessness and that's why david said hope thou in god hope thou in god he's not talking about having some sort of a a wishful thinking that things someday are going to get better when david said hope thou in god he was saying "Soul." Rise up and have a expectation of this situation turning around. Fear will always lead you down the road of despair, despondency, and hopelessness. But faith will always lead you down the road of confidence, expectation, and victory. Hallelujah. And so here's, here's what we got to do. we got to train ourselves. Because there is so much negativity in this world. There's so many things that come against your soul. You'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to do that. You'll never get healed. It's not a question of getting healed. You are already healed. You'll never get out of debt. It's not a question of getting out of debt. It's a question of by the grace of God, by faith, we're already debt free. So instead of waiting for everything to be perfect and to be in alignment with what you believe you have received, waiting and moaning and groaning and complaining that it hasn't happened yet, why not just start rejoicing? I mean, before. You know, something very interesting about Enoch. How many of you know that Enoch walked with God? Say it with me, Enoch walked with God. Say it again, Enoch Enoch walked with God. So Enoch walked with God. And how did Enoch walk with God? Well, Enoch walked with God the same way you walk with God. We walk with God by faith. Is it every day you get up in the morning and you feel God? Whether you feel God or not, God's on the inside of you. And you can stir yourselves up. Amen. But by faith, Enoch walked with God. And what happened with Enoch? Enoch, all of a sudden, was walking with God one day, and he got translated. He went from one place to another place. I'm telling you, walking by faith and walking by God will take you from one place, come on, to another place. I'm going to say it again. Walking by faith and walking with God will take you from one place to another place. It'll take you from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. It'll get you right out of the dole drums. It'll cause you to be happy in Him. Oh, yes. Woo! Woo! he had walked with God and he did it by faith and God took him from one place to another anybody here today like to go from one place to another place how'd you like to go from debt to debt freedom how'd you like to go from sickness to hell Enoch did it by faith you can do it by faith Something else it says about this that is very interesting. I think we should look at Hebrews 11, verse 5. You got a few more moments today? Well, that's enough of you that said yes to take a few. I'm going to take them anyway, so. But look at Hebrews 11, verse 5. This is really interesting. Everyone said, by faith. faith. Say this, I walk by faith. faith and And not by sight. So by faith, Enoch was what? Taken from one place to another that he should not see death and was not found. But it doesn't stop there. Here's a revelation for you. Because God had translated him for before. Everyone say "Before." before. I exhort you to do a study on the word before. There's a revelation in the word before. In other words, before he got translated, something happened that qualified him to be translated. What happened? Well, he walked with God, but it goes on to say, before he had this translation, here's was his testimony. Here's what his testimony was. That he pleased God. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 You can't please God without faith. And before he went from one place to another place, the Bible says he did it by faith and he pleased God. And so before your manifestation comes, you can please God. You don't have to wait till the doctor report lines up perfectly. You don't have to wait until all the bills are paid. I mean, the bills may be stacked this high. Your body may be racked with pain. But how about this? Let's walk with God by faith. And let's have the same testimony that Enoch had. That we please God. That means we're going to praise Him before. That means we're going to hold fast to the confession of our faith before. That means we're going to walk with God before. That means we're going to have a confident faith favorable expectation and not be despondent and know that everything's going to turn for the glory of God. I'm doing my best today. I'm doing my best to preach. God's helping me more than you realize. To God be the glory. But what I want you to see is before. If you wait till after, if you wait to shout after, you're not pleasing God. If you wait to run after, you're not pleasing God. If you wait to trust after, you're not pleasing God. Walking by trust and not by sight means trusting Him before. Shouting before. Praising Him before. Everyone shout before. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Say ha-ha or something. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> 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 You need to learn to laugh at the devil more. Even if it's a fake laugh, he's stupid, he don't know it's fake. Hallelujah. The anointing will get holy sometimes when you're faking it. Creflo Dollar says, you just sometimes got to fake it until you make it. Amen. You got to step out in faith and laugh. Hallelujah. Step out in faith. Oh, hallelujah. And shout. Step out in faith. Hallelujah. Lift up holy hands without writhing down. Just step out and let God be God in your life. Hallelujah. Woo. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Here's what you're going to do, David. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to hope in God. You're going to get rid of that despair and that despondency. You're going to get rid of that moaning and that groaning and that complaining and that whining. Joyce Meyer says, You complain, you remain. Oh, if you praise. (laughs) Come on. Oh, if you praise, you're going to get raised. Hallelujah. So you can train yourself to do this. Because negativity, listen, negativity tries to set into my life every day of my life. But I have a choice. I can choose to think. I can choose to talk, I can choose to act like the Bible is so, or I can choose to side in with my flesh and pin the sheet over my head and feel sorry for myself. Don't yield to fear, yield to faith, yield to a confident expectation. Look at your neighbor and say, Expect God. Isaiah 41, verse 10. You didn't come here for a snack, so just stay put for a few more moments. Isaiah 41, 10. I don't quit until I see the manifestation of victory. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll not be afraid. Read verse 10 with me in Isaiah 41. Ready, read. Fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed. Amen? In other words, stop it. Other folks been been through more than you have and cried less. It's true. He said, I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will harden you to difficulties. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to uphold you. And I'm going to retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. Say it together. I refuse to fear. I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to be in despair. I refuse to feel sorry for myself. Hope thou in God, soul. Then in closing, turn quickly to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, the first chapter. How many of you know that Joshua was to follow Moses? Moses was dead. And the plan of God that God had for the children of Israel did not stop just because Moses died. The torch then was passed to Joshua. Come on, somebody. And so in in verse 2 in Joshua 1, he says, you know, Moses is dead. Now, therefore, here's what I want you to do. I want you to arise and go over to Jordan, you and all this people, under the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. In verse 5, he says, There shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. He said, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you. And I want you to say these first two words in verse 6 real strong with me. Everyone say it. Be strong. Now that in and of itself is an enablement for him to be strong. The same one who said light be, said be strong. And he not only said it to Joshua, he said it to you and to me. Be strong. In the Lord and in the power of his might. So he says, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land. Which I swear to their fathers to give them. This is not some sort of locker room pep talk. This is a word from God. Which says, courage be, strength be. Don't be fearful. Don't be discouraged. And then he says in verse 7, he reiterates again, only be strong and very courageous. Then you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. He's not telling them, try to be strong. He's saying, be strong. Pastor Tom, come on up, if you would. Verse 8 and 9. He said, This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then you're going to have what? Verse 9. Come on, somebody read it with me. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Woo! For I'm with you. For I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm in you, wherever you're going, I'm there. Hallelujah. Woo! The word dismayed there literally means to have a breakdown. So through the courage of the Lord and the strength of the Lord and the restoring power of your good Shepherd. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to have a breakdown. You can be lifted up and raised up and loved and blessed by the Lord your shepherd. Come on, somebody. Let's give him praise. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Amen. Amen.